um, so yeah, like I was just saying to you, someone said to me recently, like, oh, podcasts, oh, everyone has them now, and obviously they don't. No, no, it made me laugh because, I don't think so. like I said to you, like podcasts, they're a thing you can opt into. Like no one's following <laughs> you around. Like listen to my podcast. Like shoving yeah. their headphones into your ears. Like it's you know it's it's just like someone having a blog like they have a blog it's there if you want to read it you can read it but it's not like them having a blog is gonna really in you know impact your life yeah no one's force feeding you no it's like when um when i meet new people it's usually people that i work with and they find out like i make films and it's always the same questions it's like oh so like what kind of films meaning porn because everyone says like oh do you make porn because I'm like yeah you know me big old porn porn director over here I can't believe that's the question literally seriously that is the biggest question I always get mainly from men but sometimes from women and um then the next question is do you get paid and I'm like (laughs) well you know it depends on the situation and then it's like where do you do it and it's like well (laughs) I do it like on the location. What's the location? I'm like, well, it depends oh, no. what film you're making. Oh, what people actually are in them? I'm like, no, I just film trees for twenty <laughs> minutes and add in, you know, soundtracks. Yeah. This is art. This is art. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's always a bit awkward. I always get a little bit shy about it because it's like, if I sat down, I was like, so basically, I made a company and then I started making films and then I did this, and then I just feel like a bit of an idiot. I don't. I'm not good at self promotion. I'm terrible mm. at it, which is why my team are always showered at me like, you need to promote the film or you need to do this one. I'm like, no, I don't want to do any of that, but you have to. Yeah. But um, do it. So yeah, it's always a little bit difficult, which is quite, it's like when I moved here and like obviously meeting Scott for the first time, I remember when his family were like, so what do you mean you do films? I'm like, oh God, here we go. <laughs> and then obviously you've got to tell them that you do like LGBTQ films. They're like, what do you yeah. mean? And I'm like, well, you know, films about gay characters does this mean you're gay? I'm like, I made yeah. a film about a serial killer. Does that mean I'm a serial killer? I made a film right. about a depressed girl. Does that mean I'm a depressed girl? I mean, I am, but, you know. But it makes me laugh how people always jump on, like, oh, my God, you're making a film about a gay character. Does this mean you're gay? Rather yeah, than, oh, my weird, God, you're it? making a film about a depression. Are you okay? Yeah. You never get that, it's do not you? not all subliminal, yeah. You never get that, do you? So it's, it's funny. Did I tell you about the girl from, like, high school that messaged me when Demi came out? No. So what girl? What girl? So this girl I went to uh, like secondary school with. I, we were mm-hmm. friendly, but we weren't like we never did anything like one on one. That sounds okay. a bit sexual, but there was nothing of that. There was none of that in high school. Um, we never like went out like just together. It was always like she was part of the group, and like she never went mm-hmm. to every group event because she wasn't invited. But like she mm-hmm. was like in the larger aspect of the social circle. Anyway, she messaged me when Demi came out. She was like, and I've not spoken to her since prom so like year 11 prom so this is like 2008 and this was Demi come out in 2016 so this is like 8 years later no contact Mm. and she messages me and she says hey Karis hope you're well and I'm like oh this is a professional starting Facebook message (laughs) (laughs) and then she says I've just seen Demi Um, I've just seen the trailer for Demi does this mean you're gay? Straight, straight as that. Straight as that. That is it. Hasn't spoken to you for years. I hasn't spoken for years, but straight up asked me if I'm gay. And then I obviously didn't reply because I was laughing so loud because yeah. I just thought, this is hilarious. Like, she's probably like, oh my God, I went to a sleepover once with Karis. Like, if she's gay, like, what does that mean? I'm like, it means nothing <laughs> oh, because yeah. it was a sleepover 
and what am I going to do? So I'm molesting you all in your sleeping bags. And um, oh, no. so I, I, re- I didn't respond. And then she sent me another message like two days later saying like, is it based on your experiences? Stop. <laughs> I, just, I just couldn't stop laughing because I just thought this is the weirdest messaging ever. Firstly, how self-centred. Yeah. It's, well, it makes me laugh because in Demi the film, there's a scene where a girl says, are you gay? And then immediately says, oh my God, I've had a sleepover with you. So I just, I just, I just thought, you know what? This is just life. This is just subliminal life. It just makes me laugh. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, so that's it. And obviously with coming out for Christmas coming out soon, um, people are probably so going to be exciting. asking questions again about that yeah. kind of stuff. But I, I'm a little bit more confident with it now. Like, when people say, like, what's the film about? I'm like, it's about a gay, a gay girl who's gay, who has a gay girlfriend who's gay. They have a gay yeah. relationship because they're gay. Um, oh, dear. So, yeah, I'm not really fussed about it. But, yeah, you know what I mean? It it baffles me, though, because I don't know about you, but I don't, I've never been homophobic. It's just never been in me at all. Yeah. Like, it's just not something you think about. It's, it's not, not something at all. that's ever been in your periphery. Exactly. And, like, when you're younger, people think, used to say things like, oh, my God, that's so gay. And, oh, my God, that skirt's so gay. And, oh, my God, don't mm. be gay. And, like, as a kid, you do But I never once, like, thought to myself, oh, I don't like that person because they're, they're gay. So yeah. for me, like, when people are generally homophobic, like, you get those people that generally are homophobic, you're like, mm. oh, wow. You're, it exists. Wow, you, wow, you're really going for that, aren't you? Yeah. You're not going to take in any more information for the world? Okay, uh, okay, you're going to... Oh, right, okay, okay. I'm avoiding you from now on, cool. Yeah. I always see tweets from, like, parents who say things like, I don't mind if people want to be gay, but I don't want to expose my kids to it. <laughs> like, what's your, what does that even mean? What's your kids, kids going to see? Like, where are you taking your kids I know. to expose I, yeah. them to somewhere? Like, bizarre. It's, it's so funny. I recently watched um, The Assassination of Gianni Versace. Mm. And um, so good. I went into work and spoke to someone and they were like, he was gay? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, he's gay. Ricky Martin plays his boyfriend. And she was like, yeah. oh, wow, you know Ricky Martin's gay. Ricky Martin's gay? Like, this is amazing. This is amazing. But yeah, so I watched that, and in it, um, they show footage, obviously. It's quite fabricated, it has to be, you know. Mm. No one really knows what happened, and it's for mm. entertainment. And I, I know, personally, I don't think that it's um, exploiting the family. I don't think it's, it's exploiting any of the people. I think it's raising mm. awareness, because... I mean, I don't know about you, but I just thought he killed Gianni Versace. I had no idea he was this crazy serial killer. Um, yeah. They called him a spree killer rather than a serial killer, but, I mean, he, he killed people for, like, you know. Mm. Um, I knew nothing about him at all. No, going at all. No. I mean, I always knew, like, when I was younger that Gianni Versace was killed, but I just thought it was, like, um, like a robbery or random thing or something yeah. like that. But um, it's it was a really good watch, actually. If you haven't seen it, I'd 100% recommend watching it because I when they announced it, I thought, oh, because they were going to do Hurricane Katrina, weren't they? Yeah. And then they didn't. Yeah. And I think that might be a good idea because I don't think that's going to be along the lines of not exploiting people. I don't, I don't know. Mm. I don't know. But um, what was I saying? I've just lost myself. <laughs> um, go watch it. Yeah, just go watch it. And Darren Chris is fantastic. It's a bit, so a bit awkward because he's meant to be playing a half Filipino guy. Uh, so he is half Filipino. This is, I remember someone saying it. I think it was you yeah. on Twitter. And I remember someone saying it because someone proper kicked off. And I read it, and I hadn't seen it at this point. I was like, oh. oh. I think he's half Filipino. I feel like now I've said that, I need to fact-check it before I get yelled at. 
Well, but no, I feel like he is. Well, someone said to me like, "Oh, it must be really easy." This is I shouldn't socialize with these people, but someone said to me like, "Oh, it must be really easy for him to play a gay guy because he's gay." And I said, "No, he's not." No, he's not. He's married to a woman. And she was like, I don't think so. I was like, no, no. <laughs> you can ring him and ask him if you want, but... Um, but no, I watched that this week and I, I really liked it. I thought it was really done well. And Penelope Cruz and Donatella Versace. So good. So good. Like, shockingly yeah. good. And I think yeah. it really humanised her in a way, obviously, I, I personally... I mean, I used to be obsessed with the fashion world, like, when I was, like, 14, 15, you know, when I was at these sleepovers, mm. perving on girls. And um, <laughs> I, I just... I thought she was really great. And the, um, the other characters like Cody Fern, the guy, David Manson, who played, that whole storyline was wild. Yeah. Wild, so. No, it was a very good show. It was a good one. Good show, yeah. But no, I mentioned that because in that show, obviously, they're at the funeral, and it's, I was going to say the Pope, it's not the Pope, it's the priest, (laughs) and he goes around and he kisses the hands of Donatella, and then he gets to Ricky Martin uh, as Anthony Anthony, uh, Miko, and doesn't kiss his hand, and you just think, oh, God. Mm. but no but this this is it and obviously there's a lot of themes in that actually about homophobia which I think they were really good they touched on especially the stuff with Finn uh, Whitrock is that his name yeah in the uh, Marines I thought that was really really well done so yeah mm. it's, um, I think these, these shows get a little bit of um, slack because they're like oh it's the guy from Glee um, but no the guy from Glee is good the guy from Glee is good yeah he's great very very good but yeah so Yes, that's it, basically. I've just kind of rambled on there. I don't know where they even come from. <laughs> Sorry about that. How have you been? Good, yeah. I've been... Uh, what did I do today? I, went, I microbladed for the first time, you guys. I was Not that you say, need to hear about it. They look amazing. Thanks. I, they, they feel... I mean, no, they feel really sore. Yeah. I um, got back, so like it took about an hour, and I got back, and I texted all my friends. I was like, man, it really hurt. About three of them just messaged me back saying, were well, you getting a tattoo on your face? What did you think was going to happen? I remember, yeah. So I, yeah. So I really just, yeah. But no, it's good. It, um, I feel good about it. I think they look great. And then I, yeah. That's and then I binged like four. Oh, yeah, I think so. But no, and I came in and watched like four episodes of Shit's Creek, which is like my new favorite thing. Oh, I've tried to watch this. Yeah, I need oh. to get. I need to get proper into it. I watched one of my mm. friends, Sarah, is obsessed with it. Um, what about, I watched um Destroyer this week with a film okay. with Nicole Kidman and Sebastian Stan. Oh, yeah. It's by Karen Kusuma, who did Jennifer's Body. And um, I really liked it. It was a slow burner. And it was, it was it had a little bit of an award buzz for a little while. And then I think it died mm. down. But it was a slow burner. But Nicole Kidman was fantastic. She played... It was a time jump. It reminded me a lot of True Detective, which we're mm. going to discuss today. Um, but Sebastian Stan was great as well. So I definitely recommend that because it's a female director. And it's just... It was a really good film. But, yeah. Oh, good. What have you seen this week? Anything? No, like nothing. No, I've, not I've been watching Shit's Creek. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Well, I've been watching, yeah, Gianni Versace and... Uh, I tried that Umbrella Academy. Oh, I've not yet. What did you think? I can't get into it. I've watched two episodes mm. and I'm really struggling and I don't know why. It reminds me a lot of X-Men, like the whole kind mm. of school of gifted yeah. children thing. But I want to stick with it. But I saw a really funny tweet where it said, like, Robert Sheehan was the original Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but everyone kind of ignored I it. can see that. No, he was so great when Misfits was out. I so good, him. yeah. Um, so this weekend there was a little bit of a event. Oh. 
small uh, one. Just a small thing, celebrating mm. films and stuff. And, um, yeah. It's a bit of a... Wow. Yeah. I think... I mean, I, I feel like I was pretty underwhelmed this year because so many of the films that I loved weren't even nominated, yeah. but... Well, like I said yeah, to you, like yeah, I, yeah. I lost interest in the Oscars like a few years ago, but and but I always look up the next day like who won. But this year it got to about one o'clock and I hadn't even done it yet because I was just generally like I can't be bothered. Mm. It was yeah, it was it. I feel like it is kind of running its course. Like the fact they don't even have a host anymore, and yeah, I think the the introduction by Tina Fey, Amy Poehler, and Maya Rudolph was brilliantly done. And it just kind of showed that, you know, why aren't you hiring these people to host this? <laughs> yeah. There are so many people I would have loved for Lily Tomlin and Jane Fonda to have done it in Grace and Frankie oh, character. Oh, God, that would have been fantastic. Like, that would have been my dream. That would have been amazing. No, that would have been really cool. I mean, I obviously, I didn't watch it and I probably would never yeah. watch them again unless, unless I'm there, if you know what I'm saying. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I, yeah, I don't, don't really have much to say about it. It was just kind of sad because like, you saw all the crazy rich Asians cast there and they didn't get as many nominations as that film deserved, I think. Mm, and then you saw like the Black Panther cast there and again, and you saw like Michael B. Jordan, you're thinking Creed, did Creed, I'm still mad that Creed didn't get enough all them years ago. Um, so yeah, I mean, obviously everyone knows who the winners were. It's a little bit like I was kind of expected. There was no, mm. there was no like real shocks, if you know what I mean. Like I feel like there's always yeah. a bit of a surprise every now and then. Yeah, no, I definitely wasn't surprised. I'm was still disappointed that Green Book won um, Best Picture. Like it did, it did. I just I'm such a Roma person. I love Roma. I thought it was amazing, and it was. Just the fact that it wasn't even that just like, incredible. I don't think you watch Green Book and then at the end of the thing you think, Wow, that was outstanding. That was yeah. that was one of the best films I've seen. It wasn't even the best film of the year. Never mind sorry, that's the same thing, isn't it? <laughs> sorry, I just realised what I said. <laughs> it wasn't even the best film of the year then. Yeah. Um yeah, it was uh, people that are kind of um comparing it to like there's been a lot of lists on Twitter about like mm. your top five least um favourable um, yeah. Best Picture nominations. And there's been a few. I didn't realise how many people didn't like The Artist. I didn't realise there was such a big hate towards it. Yeah, me neither. I just, it just me neither. It didn't um, come into my mind. I mean, thinking person. I mean, I was quite shocked that Shape of Water won. Um, I didn't like Shape of Water. I know oh everyone loves Shape of Water, but it didn't do anything for me. Same. Like, it just didn't. I love Guillermo del Toro and I really wanted to love it. I was like, I'm going to love this movie. I felt it was the same. I felt, it was, but it was like, um, I mean, if La La Land had have won that year, <laughs> I think uh, you know, it was just yeah. It's just uh, for me, it was it was a good, it was an interesting film. But it just wasn't best picture. I can't remember what I wanted to win that year. Yeah, me neither. Trying to think back, what was because was that two thousand seventeen? It must have been because last year was. No, I don't know. Fifteen? No, I don't think so. Wasn't it? I swear. Wasn't it last year? I feel like it was last was year. It last year. Hold on. It's I'm been, just gonna, it's been I'm a long have to fact year. Check this, you guys. It's been a long year. Do you know what people listening to this are gonna be? Yeah, it was 2017. Thanks. Come on, you should know this. <laughs> oh yeah, that was a tough year last year. I think we got spoiled last year. Oh yeah, because last year was like three billboards a year. Three billboards. The Pose, yeah. Lady Bird, Phantom Fred, Get Out, Dunkirk, Darkest Hour, and Call Me By Your Name. 
And then the year before that was the La La Land Moonlight debacle. And then, Do you know what? It really like I always I still think about that. And it really bothers me that Moonlight won in the way that it did. Like it, it in, was amidst confusion. It was very rude. I I still yeah. think it was fixed to increase ratings. I really do. Probably. I really do. And then the year before that, it was Spotlight. That was quite a good year. This must be 2015. So that year was Spotlight, The Big Short, Bridge of Spies, oh. Brooklyn, Mad Max Fury Road, The Martian, The Revenant, and Room. That was a very good year. Yeah. I like that year a oh, lot. Oh, I actually. love Spotlight. Oh, Spotlight and Room. Room was so good. Yeah, so good. So, yeah. But, yeah, it's... Uh, it's over and done with now. We've got another one to come next year. I kind of like this point of the year because from here on out, there's no pressure on a film to be an Oscar contender. It's yeah. kind of just like middle ground. You've got like obviously the Marvel films coming out soon. Then you've got summer blockbusters. And yeah, I just kind of like this time of year. I used to hate it, but I actually quite like <laughs> it because yeah, it eases the pressure. Yeah, no, for sure. Definitely. Okay, so there's no feedback on last week's episode because we posted it, like, Sunday, so there's not been enough time. There has been some comments about a certain comment I made on last episode about Scream. Okay. Some people are not happy that I said there shouldn't be a Scream remake. Okay. Oh, dear. So I'm just addressing that. I'm not changing (laughs) my opinion. I'm just saying people weren't You've addressed it. I have addressed Mm. it. Okay, box office top ten. Back in the top ten, at mm-hmm. number ten, is Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> I mean, it's really annoying because if Bill Street Could Talk was in the top ten for two weeks, no, one mm. week, sorry, because when it first entered, it was in at number twelve, and it's gone now, and this film is back, and I really don't understand why. And Happy Death Day to You has also gone out of the top ten, and Bohemian Rhapsody's back, so I don't know what to say. At number nine, it's Total Damal, which is a Bollywood film. Have you heard of this? I have heard of this. Um, I've not seen it, but Total Damal. So Damal means fun in Hindi. Um, and it comes from, like, the Damal film series. So I think this is the third... Yeah, I feel like this is the third one. And it's based off... it. You know that? I feel like it came out in the 1960s, but there was that film called A Mad, Mad, Mad World or something like that. It's that based on that. That familiar, yeah. Yeah. So it's based on that. I've not seen it. Um, I've not seen any of them. Uh, but it's probably going to be one of those films that does really well in the Indian market because it's very sort of like targeted towards the Indian market. But yeah, not seen it. Yeah. I don't think I will. It's good to see them in the top ten though, isn't it? A bit of diversity. Yeah. Definitely. No, it's cool. And number eight, it is the Ruth Bader Ginsburg film on the basis of sex. This has actually received more positive reviews now that it's on a general release, whereas before I think it was just festivals that were kind of giving it a little bit of a bad time. I do actually want to see it, so I'm going to try my best. Obviously, I'm filming this weekend, so I can't, but um, (laughs) it should be quite good. Number seven is Academy Award winning Green Book. Yay! (laughs) At number six is a new entry, it is Cold Pursuit, which is that Liam Neeson film we spoke about. No, the one that we're not supposed to speak about because he's terrible. Yes, that's the one. <laughs> At number five, it's The Kid Who Would Be King. Uh, this has jumped off, actually. It was previously at number seven. It seems to be quite popular. Obviously, it was half-term, so people were probably like, we've seen the Lego movie two twice. Let's please do something else. <laughs> at number four, it's Alita Battle Angel. Still scares me. Can't look at the poster. It, have you heard of this thing, Momo? What it, I mean, I feel like it, I've seen it. I I catch glimpses of it. So all I know is it's it's some horrible cyberbullying situation. 
so I'm, I'm bringing this up because obviously I said the Alita Battle Angel freaks me out a little bit. Like, I get a little bit scared. She's going to be like the end of my bed or something like that. So yeah. on that note, there's been this new kind of internet sensation, but it's kind of like, is it an internet sensation or is it just being made up? Basically, there is this cyber group who are adding young children on WhatsApp and mm. saying that there is a kind of ghoul or it's very alike to the Slenderman stuff. Basically, okay. there's this character called Momo and the picture is of this creepy woman who has big eyes and a wide grin. The picture is actually from a special effects company in, I think, South America, um, mm-hmm. who've also obviously said they've got nothing to do with any of this. But yeah, yeah. and they've basically been saying to children to... They make it like a game, so each step is self-harm and then the eventual thing is to kill yourself. Um, Stop. Yeah, so a lot of parents have had to speak to their children about it and obviously now there's memes about it and things like that. I mean, the good thing, I think, is that there's awareness being raised for it. Obviously, it's just yeah. terrible that there may be people out there who are being victimised by it. I mean, do you remember Chainmail when you were a young teenager? Yeah. Kids Gosh, still yeah. believe in that. One of my friends at work, her, her little sister sent her something that was like, if you do not send this to ten people, then the white lady will appear at your bed. And she was like, <laughs> what are you doing? This isn't real. And she was like, yes, it is. Google it. <laughs> it's just the internet praise on yeah, yeah. young minds. Uh, number mm. three, it's how to train your dragon the hidden world. Uh, number two, it's instant family. So the top three hasn't actually moved. Um, mm, yeah. And number one is the Lego Movie 2. So, yeah. Lego Movie no 2, change. I've heard a few people say that it's not actually as good as everyone thinks it is. That they're kind of repeating mm. the same process, but I'm still going to try and see it if I can. Yeah. You know. I like the first one. Yeah. Okay, so recent and upcoming, obviously, in is it two weeks or three weeks' time, we have Captain Marvel coming out? Yeah, March the 8th. Oh I my think. god, it's two weeks on Friday. Yeah, that's exciting. I'm looking forward to it. Me I need too. to get my tickets. Oh my god, same. I need to pre book actually. I've got five films that are coming out on Friday. Yeah. First one is Serenity. Heard of this? Oh god, I've seen it. So. <laughs> oh, you guys. So, this is directed by Stephen Knight, who obviously gave us Peaky Blinders. Uh, so, yeah. a very, very talented filmmaker or TV maker. And this stars Matthew McConaughey and Anne Hathaway as a fishing boat captain, who is Matthew McConaughey, juggles mm-hmm. facing his mysterious past and finding himself ensnared in a reality where nothing is as it seems. Take it away with your review, Neha. <laughs> Okay, so I feel like I'm not going to spoil it for anyone because it's one of those films where if I say a little bit, you'll figure it all out. Um, it was just shit. <laughs> like, to be perfectly honest, I was really mad about it because I love Peaky Blinders and I was so excited to watch the movie. And I love Matthew and Anne, first name basis because we're best friends. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it just, it didn't make sense. It was, it was like, I thought for a while I was watching a comedy. Like, it was just unintended. It wasn't supposed to be hilarious, but it was. And nothing made sense. And it was... I think it's a shame, because the concept could have been really interesting. I think it was the execution just... it Like, I just don't... I have no idea what happened. So, I mean, you can go watch it if you like, but to put it into perspective, I'm pretty sure the day that it comes out in the cinema, Sky Movies are airing it on TV. Well, I was going to so say I that. I've got, I thought it was another thing where Sky Movies would do it. Like, they're doing that now, aren't they? So, yeah. I so I mean... It. I, yeah. I feel sorry for yeah. Anne Hathaway. She's not really been given a lot of material, has she? 
No. I feel like when they win, when they win the, when the, when they win the Oscar, it's kind of like. I don't know. I mean, obviously, she was in Interstellar. Yeah. Which was... But not... Which was great. No, she was in Ocean. She was in Ocean's 8. She was in Ocean's 8, but she still wasn't like, you know... Yeah. She was in The Intern, which I really loved. The Nancy Myers like movie. I love that. And she was in Alice's In the Looking Glass. But then since... that, That's, that's about it, really. Yeah. But she is going to be in The Witches, isn't she? The Roald Dahl remake. Oh, yeah, she is. And she has been talking about Princess Diaries 3, which would be my dream. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, God. I love that. Um, (laughs) So, yay or nay on that, Serenity? Big, just just a don't even. Don't even. (laughs) Don't. Nay. (laughs) Big old nay. Okay, next up is The Hole in the Ground. This is a horror from Lee Cronin, who... um, is basically a connoisseur in horror, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So this story is about uh, trying to escape her broken past. The lead character, Sarah, is building a new life on the fringes of a backward rural town with her young son, Chris. A terrifying encounter with a mysterious neighbour shatters her fragile security, throwing Sarah into a spiralling nightmare of paranoia and mistrust as she tries to uncover if the disturbing changes in her little boy are connected to an ominous sinkhole buried deep in the forest that buries their home great voice thank you (laughs) this is actually set in ireland which i think is quite exciting oh Um, cool i've seen the trailer i've watched the trailer a few times in the cinema and it looks like a very typical kind of is the child a demon or is the child you know just possessed or is the child so it's kind of that uncertainty of the mother like should i love my son or should i not kind of thing it's Mm. been pretty slated so far Mm. with reviews um but i don't know i do love horror and i think it's refreshing to kind of get a new kind of voice in horror especially in ireland too but yeah i I don't know it was at sundance so Mm. we'll see yeah also coming out is the aftermath now this is the film starring Keira knightley alexander skarsgård and jason clark you might have seen a trailer yeah no, it looks, yeah. um, it looks like another Keira Knightley period film. Oh, God. Don't you think she gets bored of her own films? <laughs> like, she must, like, just be like, really? Again? Another one? Like, I saw a tweet I saw a tweet somewhere where someone was like, is it just in her contract that that's the only kind of film she's going to be in? She, she sold her soul to the devil or something. It was like, we're going to yeah. make you famous, but only for one thing. <laughs> yeah. And it makes me laugh because someone once said to me, she's not only famous for period pieces, she was in Pirates of the Caribbean. I was like... And when was that set? <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Um, again, it's not been given a very good write-up. So basically, post-World War II, a British colonel and his wife are assigned to live in Hamburg. That's Kieran Knightley and Jason Clark. During the post-war reconstruction, tensions arrive with the German who previously owned the house, which is Alexander Skarsgård, looking fine as ever. Um, <laughs> it's basically like one of them kind of weird romance kind of war films that your nana enjoys you know obviously mm-hmm. Kira and Alexander Skarsgård are probably going to sleep together and then I don't know maybe Jason Clark kills him or he kills him or he kills her or I don't know I just couldn't be bothered to watch this yeah no just no nah so it's a shame but like I said it's because Kira Knight is very talented but it, mm. this comes from the guy who did Testament of Youth did you see that 
That was the one with Kit Harrington, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Kit Harrington and the lovely Alicia Vikander. Ah, yes. It was good, but again, it was just... It was... I feel like a film sometimes can be too sad. Yeah. Do you agree? That it's just like... This is too sad. Like, I don't want to watch this. It's too sad. (laughs) But, um... But, yeah, so there you go. Another one out this week is What They Had. This is by female director Elizabeth Chomkaira, and it stars the lovely Hilary Swank and also your boy Michael Shannon love Michael Shannon (laughs) so Hilary plays Bridget who returns home at her brother's urging to deal with her ailing mother and her father's reluctance to let go of their life together Um, it's received kind of mediocre reviews I mean it's got a great great cast like Blythe Danner and Tihisa Farmiga Um, it looks like a family kind of drama Mm -hmm. and but what I've heard is that it doesn't actually... It looks like it's going to be an emotional sucker punch, doesn't it? It's going to be full of, yeah. like, you know, catching up and embracing. But then it doesn't actually kind of deliver on that emotional kind of standard. It, another one that was at Sundance. I feel like the Sundance lineup this year must have been a little bit bad because a lot of the reviews have not been very favourable. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it's great to get out there and support female directors. And I think Elizabeth Chonko has not... Um, this is her first film that she's directed so it's a directorial debut so I think it's great that yeah. she's got a wide release like she has um, yeah for sure but yeah she's an actress actually oh what's she been in she was in she's in nothing of the famous sort but I do recognise her though so I don't know why I don't know Yes, anyway, moving on. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and last but not least is Sauvage. Now, I thought this might be a thing about that awful Johnny Depp perfume and fur. I mean, when you just said that, I thought that's what you were talking about. Because when it popped up on the list of like new releases, I thought, please don't tell me that he's made some kind of short film about that bloody cologne. Because yeah. I will just explode. It's not, no. <laughs> it is... <laughs> I believe it's a French film. It's, um, it's about... Leo is 22 and sells his body on the street for cash. The men come and go and he stays right here, longing for love. He doesn't know what the future will bring. He hits the road. His heart is pounding. It's, um, I think this is another female director. But I'm not too sure because there's not much information on it. But yes, I don't know much about this, unfortunately. It's been given quite a good review. Um, It's an LGBTQ film, so I think it might actually be showing at the London Flair Festival, but I'm not too sure. But yes, mm. it is. It is a French film. Um, so yes, oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Okay, and that is it for new releases, really. So out of that lot, what what are you interested in seeing? Captain Marvel. That wasn't in the list. You do this every week to me. Every week, I give you a list, <laughs> and every week you choose something else of it. Do you know what that French one you just mentioned sounds pretty good? Okay, I'll give you that. I'll let you off on that. And one. Um, anything with Michael Shannon that's directed by a lady, of course, I'm going to watch it. Well, I'm thinking. Yeah, I'm thinking I might do that. Mm, yeah. Indeed, yeah. Indeed. Well, I can't get to the cinema this weekend anyway. And next weekend, it's all going to be about Captain Bloody Marvel. So, with that, I <laughs> then we can talk about it. To... Then I can tell you I'm excited to watch I it. I need to double check actually that we can see it on Friday. I need to be. <laughs> I'll go by myself. What we're talking about? <laughs> I'm waiting for nobody. I'm so excited. Oh God. Okay. So moving on now to now, if mm-hmm. you haven't seen True Detective season three, you're probably better off turning this off right now. Yeah, switch it off. Switch it off right now. I'm sorry, just turn it off. If you have, 
then we're about to go through the whole of season three in detail because we loved it. Did you love it? We so loved good. It. Oh, oh my God, it was it. it was the best. It was amazing. I don't know what I'm going to do with my life now. It's over. I don't either. I mean, there's not even a new show starting that I can replace it with. Big Little Lies is not here yet. Game of Thrones is not here yet. It's actually quite hard. Oh, I think, I think, do you watch Billions? Because I think Billions is back next month. I don't. Maybe I'll mm. start. I've got a lot of free time. Yeah. <laughs> that was good. Okay, so True Detective season three is about again two detectives. <laughs> Sorry, that was a really bad <laughs> lead in. God. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's about Wayne Hayes and Roland West, played by Mahashala Ali and Stephen Dorff, who were both amazing. So good. And obviously, they've been given a case of uh, a missing boy and a missing girl in a kind of small... It's set in the Ozarks, I think it is, isn't it? Mm, yeah. So it's a kind of like a small town. Um, everyone kind of looks out for each other. Everyone knows each other. So when these two children go missing, it's um, down to these guys to kind of investigate everyone around them because it's usually someone quite close to the family. Mm. Now, in the initial few episodes, the time jumping isn't that apparent, is it? There's only a little no. bit of it happening. So basically, mm. you've got, obviously, them in the 80s, where they're first investigating the crime. You've also got them both in the 90s, where they're reinvestigating the crime after it's reopened again. Why is it reopened again? It's cause, is it because of the phone call? Yeah, because they find that she might be alive oh, or that she is alive. So they reopen yeah. the case because they find the missing girl's fingerprints in a store mm-hmm. after a robbery so obviously she's alive and then it's set to modern day which is I believe is 2015 where mm-hmm. the Mahasha, Mahasha Ali his character has Alzheimer's and mm-hmm. he's filming being part of a documentary with a female director um, about the whole case and the crime and then he kind of wants to get to the truth of what actually happened so it's three mm-hmm. stages of time very similar to True Detective season one um, that's right, isn't it? Or was it two they had in True Detective Season 1? I think it was Season 1. Did they have two or Not three se- timelines? Oh. I think they only had two, you know. Yeah, I think it's maybe was Season... It, yeah. There were, it was them I barely the, remember Season oh, 2, but Season 1, yeah, I think it was only two. It was like present day and then the time of the case. Yeah, yeah, no, that's correct. Yeah. So in the beginning, the kind of suspects we have are... Obviously, the mum and dad, a bit suspicious. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have a drifter who is... He's Native American, isn't he? I think so. Yeah. I think so, yeah. You have a drifter who was previously in the army, and he basically goes around and collects trash and um, sells it on to like recycling centres and things like that. So he's a suspect. And then the third suspect you get is the three teenage boys that are hanging around. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know about you, but I felt like they really didn't do enough with those characters. I don't think so either, especially the teenage boys. It was just, we obviously we saw them at the beginning and it was a bit suspicious because they were driving the car and they were watching the two people, two kids yeah. on their bikes. Then you see them again and they're at a party with the kids' bikes. And then we see them again where they're being interviewed and they're being very heavily, um, what's the word, intimidated by the police yeah. officers. And then you don't see them again until there's a flash forward in the 90s segment mm. where they revisit one of them. And it's just a little mm. bit awkward, isn't it? Yeah, they just sort of disappeared. They, they were there, but they weren't there. Like, yeah. I didn't, I didn't, yeah. I think they introduced them as like a red herring and then they just thought, oh, we can't really, you know, do much with these, so we'll let them go mm. kind of thing. So that's the mm. suspect. And then obviously we have the second suspect, which is the drifter. I must get his name. I feel like it's wood- wooded. 
Yeah, Brett Wooded, that was it. And he was, sorry, he yeah. was Native American, yeah. So we got him as another suspect. And obviously, because he's kind of known as a suspect by the police, you then have the vigilante style, which I thought was done really well. Yeah, I feel so. Because I think this does happen a lot in America and over here in the UK. I think that you yeah. see quite a lot with paedophile cases. So, obviously, they beat him up and they tell him not to come around the children anymore or come around the place anymore. And that's kind of left as that because they think it's them, but the detectives don't think it's them. Mm-hmm. The mum and dad at the beginning, what did you think? I... So, I mean, I feel like I was always going to like the dad because I love Scooter I love Scooter Mary! Oh. He's so good. And I... I just felt bad for him the whole time. I don't think... I I don't think I ever believed that he was guilty. I just... I just... He was just so sad and... And... Sad. Um, just the saddest. But yeah, no, I, I did... His mum was a bit fishy. Lucy's a bit fishy. The mum was quite suspicious, I think. Yeah. I think the fact that she wasn't um, there when it mm. actually happened, like when the police officer was called... Like you, with Scoot McNary, I would never have been able to suspect him because I just love him so much as a person. Yeah. yeah. And, like, when I first... Because when, when, we, when we put it on, I, I didn't knew nothing about it, apart from the fact that mm. Mahasha Ali was in it. I didn't know anyone else. So, like, when Mamie Gummer turned up, I was like, oh, my God, it's Meryl Streep's daughter. Yeah. And then um, Scoot McNary was like, oh, my God, it's Scoot McNary. This is so cool. <laughs> um, so I wasn't suspicious of the parents at first. Um, when they started searching the house the hole in the wall oh my god freaked me out freaked me out because i thought okay so you've got a few situations there either the brother is spying on your sister which is a bit bizarre the dad is spying on the the daughter again bizarre because he'd have to go into his son's room so his son would know about it or Mm. someone else is doing it yeah so that's what really threw me off at first kind of thing um did you at the beginning think the kids were alive what were your initial thoughts on what happened to the kids? I didn't... I thought they were dead. I didn't have any... Um, I don't think I had any idea what I thought would happen to them. I thought it was interesting how... I always think back to um, the first season, the first episode, the way that we see the body pretty much in the first ten minutes. Yeah. And um, we didn't see that Will was dead. Oh, poor Will. Oh, Will. Will Purcell. It was Will, wasn't it? I haven't just made that it up. It was Will, yeah. Yeah, it was Will. Do you know why? Because they kept thinking Stranger Things. Yes, yeah. exactly. He had a yes. lot of that vibe. So two, that was interesting. Yeah, the first two episodes were directed by Jeremy Solner. That did, he did Blue Ruin and Green Room. So oh. I was really excited because the, the, the whole show is shot beautifully. But those yeah. two episodes he directed, absolutely fantastic. Um, oh, nice. But no, I with you... <laughs> I thought that maybe they'd been taken somewhere, mm. like, to be sold, like, trafficking-wise. Because of the dolls? I thought that was kind of, like, the first one. Then you have these creepy dolls, and it was like, okay, so there must be someone nearby or around locally who thinks that they can easily get rid of these children. And then mm. you had that fat, they had that friend with the puppy... And the dad that was like, no, they've not been round yet. I thought, oh, they've never been friends or whatever. I yeah. was a bit suspicious of that as well. Because I thought maybe yeah. he's covering up something. Yeah. So, yeah. At the beginning, I was a little bit, like, all over the place. And then, obviously, the further we got into the season, like, season three and season four, we're mm. kind of learning more about um, the relationship between... Um, 
I've forgotten his wife's name. Amelia. Amelia. I'm kind of learning more about the relationship between Amelia and kind of seeing what kind of, you know... I was quite suspicious of her at the beginning. Oh, yeah, so was I. I thought she was asking way too many questions. I thought, is she kind of in on the whole trafficking thing? Is she kind of, like, just making sure that, you know... diversions are being put in place like she just seemed too helpful for her thing but this is the I don't know about you but this is one of the things I have about the character of Amelia Um, I do feel like she was kind of given made to be the scapegoat for a lot of things I feel like they were trying to push the audience to not like her so I can get Mm. that but I do think that she didn't have a lot of respect for her husband's job Yeah, and I felt that (laughs) she tried to play the victim sometimes about not being told stuff but like you're married to a police detective like you can't expect them to tell you everything and obviously she Mm. has a vested interest in that information it's not so much for her safety and security it is so she has more of a story and I think the whole sense that she wrote a book about the thing was actually very bizarre would you I just think would like the thing is, you know she's wrote a book very early in the show. You don't know how she come about it till later on. Because later on, you realise that she originally was going to just write an article. And then she was going to write, like, a little piece on online. It was the 90s. That wouldn't have happened. Um, <laughs> and then you find out she actually made a book. And then she wants to make a sequel. And, like, she was doing these investigations um, by herself. This is in the 90s segment. And I just thought, you don't know what you're doing. And you're going to mm. get yourself in trouble. Like when she... I thought I I was convinced at one point she was gonna like she'd been killed like that's why she was dead in the future. The, well, as well, I was disappointed that you never actually saw how she died. So we didn't see how she died, but apparently Nick, who Pizza surname I can't pronounce Palazzo um, or something. There, <laughs> there's a Pizzolato. Well, like, that guy. It the sounds dude like you're ordering Everyone... something in a restaurant. I don't know what you do. I know. Can I get? A... <laughs> can I get a Pizzolato? Can I get a pizzolato? <laughs> Apparently he said that she, um, there was a scene that they had to cut, but she died of natural causes two years before, so 2013, two, two years before the present timeline. Oh, okay. All right. But I was like, oh, okay. I mean... Couldn't you have sliced it in? Really? We had to have all the yeah. long shots? I quite liked how, I mean, I, I liked how ambitious she was. I always feel like True Detective has had some issue writing female characters. Like, I think back to... Some issue. <laughs> lots of issue. I can't remember her name. Michelle Monaghan's character in the first season. Like, she just... Uh, she was... But, yeah, um, she was... Yeah, it was very hit and miss with her, I think. I yeah. mean, I think one of the problems that it does have as a show is they don't have enough female writers and directors. Uh, I think. I don't know if they have any. But this season, they didn't have any female directors. I feel mm. like they have got it sounds terrible but I feel like they've got that arrogance of well we don't need them like we're yeah you know what I mean I'm just checking uh there was a female director in season two. Oh dear let me just double check nope it he's called Janice so I thought it was a man but it's a man uh, no there has never ever been a female director or writer mm. on True Detective that's a bit disappointing. I'll find myself yeah. out now. Let's cancel this episode. <laughs> Do you know what? I feel like my dream director for True Detective would be Reed Morano. <gasps> She'd be sick. Reed She'd Morano, be amazing. Lynn Ramsey, Karen oh, Sumar. Yeah. Oh, they'd be sick. So good. Really good. Oh, I'm just imagining it now. The violence. <laughs> they'd be just... Oh, just 
incredibleness. Who would you have acting-wise if you could cast it all female? Ooh, all female I don't even duo. know. There are so many. See, when um, season two came about, they were bouncing around the character Jessica Chastain. But I think she was oh, going to yeah. play the character of Vince Vaughn's girlfriend. And I'm so glad she didn't take that role because that would have oh, been God, a step yeah. below. But I love the idea of Jessica Chastain. I think um, Zoe Zaldana would be amazing. She'd be pretty cool. She'd be very cool. Tandy Newton would be great. <gasps> I love Tandy Newton. They're just, uh, yeah, I just... Gemma Chan. She'd be cool. She'd be cool. It's like I've suddenly forgotten um, every female act. You know when someone yeah, asks no, you what your favourite movie is? <laughs> I'm like, um, I don't know anyone's name. Pizzolato? Pizzolato. Yeah, if someone can tell me how to pronounce his name, I'd be very grateful. So, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, the, fe- the female aspects of things are a bit hard. I mean, obviously, in this season, there, was, there wasn't much female uh, elements to it at all. I mean, the, char- the female character had, obviously, Amelia was, I'd say she was a problematic character. Would you agree yeah. with that? Yeah. Just in the sense that she just kind of, for me, it's hard because I don't want to say something now. She never really <laughs> came across as maternal. I mean, she left her kids in the car, didn't she, when she was interviewing someone? See, so I feel like I had an issue with the way they wrote the kids in general. Maybe apart, maybe more Becca than Henry. Like, they set it up to be as though Becca and Wayne had fallen out. And but then, then in the last episode... Happened. Yeah. Like, they, I don't know why that. they would do that. I'm glad you mentioned that, because with Becca, I thought there was going to be some particular reason why she wasn't there. I thought that maybe whoever was responsible behind the kidnapping of the two kids maybe to get back at Wayne they were going to take his daughter I mean especially when you saw the brown sedan outside his Mm. house a lot I thought Mm. maybe that had something to do with it but yeah you're right they kind of just copped out a little bit I thought there were a few elements where um they kind of built up a story and then just didn't deliver on it a little bit yeah so yeah no I definitely agree with that I mean you had character of Becca then you also had I mean the only other female character really was um, the mother who we saw as a broken woman mm. and obviously through time we realised why she was doing yeah. that, she was racked with guilt but, but yeah, I mean back to the timeline, obviously in the middle of the show we find out that obviously Will has passed and Lucy, is it Lucy? No not Lucy, what's her name? Mary? Julie. Julie. We find Mary out, July. Mary July. We find out that Mary Julie <laughs> is obviously alive but then she makes a phone call to mm. the police detectives saying, I don't want to be found, and that man is not my dad. Now, earlier in the show, there is some comments about the fact that Lucy, the mother, may have had an affair, and in fact, like, um, Scoot McNary. Sorry, I'm forgetting every character's name now. Tom. Tom <laughs> yeah, Tom Purcell is not their dad. That's another storyline that they don't pick up on again. No, they kind of leave it, and I don't know whether that's just kind of like I don't know, like out of respect for Tom, the fact that he's mourning his children or something like that. But you don't really pick up on it again. But obviously, that then turns Tom into a suspect. So we've lost the three teenage boys. We've got Tom as a suspect. Now this is because the reason why the case in 1980 shut down was because they closed it, thinking that. Wooded. Wooded. See, I'm getting all the names <laughs> Thinking that Wooded was the person who killed them. Now, at the beginning, we only think this because there's a shootout. Because he gets fed up of these people beating him, these vigilantes, and he basically stages a shootout because he's not in a very good mental state. And, um, you know, our guys get involved in it. And I was, at the start, I was kind of like, okay, yeah, he did a shootout, but that doesn't mean that he killed the children. And then obviously we mm. find out that evidence was planted there 
by Harris James. Harris James. Who was such a creepy, slimy character. Ah, the worst. Like, he was... I mean, obviously, he's very good at his job, but he was such a creepy, slimy character. So, obviously, he plants this evidence which shuts down the case, Mm -hmm. which doesn't, obviously, leave things in a good light for the other people because they believe they're all dead. And then we get this phone call, and then Tom Bassell is a suspect. And then it kind of opens up things even more. So, like... With the 80s section, what were your favourite elements of that? The 80s section. Aside from the clothing and the hair. I was going to say, I was going to say the clothing. That was the first thing I was going to say. I like... I don't know what I liked specifically about the 80s. I, I feel like across all of them, I liked how true they were to um, to the time streams. And in particular how both Stephen Dorff and Maheshali played their characters correctly if they both don't get different. it would be a crime it would be an absolute crime because their body language like it reminded me a lot of Channing Tatum in Foxcatcher the way that their whole body changed like when they're different like different age wise and just different I don't know he was I mean in the 90s he looked so hot actually yeah, he just looked so good and when he was wearing so like that good. adidas jacket and the jeans and the trainers I was just like oh my god you're amazing um I know so yeah I mean with the 80s element I feel like the the good things about it was like how he stood up for what he believed in when the police offered mm. him to kind of like look just just accept that you know you told you don't agree with the investigation you told your wife and then that's what that's the one thing I thought as well because his wife didn't seem to realise that he'd just given up his career for her yeah and so I don't know I don't want to villainise her but I really feel like she was quite a bit of a villain I I don't know I just I liked how I do like how ambitious she was I, I like that I mean I, I agree that she probably should have considered the fact that he gave up her career for her but at the same time she never asked him to do it so I feel like this is I don't know she's just very she just is super super ambitious I mean there are definitely things that she does and I'm like dude you need to stop but I I think it's also credit to Carmen is it Ijogo yeah I think so she's so I just feel like she's so captivating she has that kind of voice she's British too Stop. Yeah, because there was a few times where her accent changed and I thought, that sounded British then. But yeah, she's uh, she's from Kensington. That's cool. Yeah, I just feel like there's something some, so captivating about her. Like, she just, she, she, she yeah, she's cool. She is so cool. Maybe that's what it was. Maybe yeah. it, I got confused between who was playing her and who she was. <laughs> well, in the 90s, one of the scenes that really made me cringe with her is when they have uh, dinner. Um mm. Yeah, they have dinner at Roland's house when Roland has that girlfriend, um, yeah. Laurie, and she keeps bringing up the case. And I just thought, will you please just stop? Like, these two haven't like seen each other in years. Like, this is a nice time you're getting out. But she just wouldn't give it up. And I think that kind of obsession just really yeah. turned me against her at times because it just... Yeah, she was a little she, obsessed, It's like she, she didn't know what she wanted. Like, she wanted... I don't know. It's very bizarre. But um, with the 90s, so much happened in that time frame. So obviously you've got the case reopening. You've got Lucy's fingerprints being found. You've got his wife reinvestigating, answering questions. You've got them two with the phone calls that are investigating Tom. Then you've got Lucy's cousin that comes into it. Who kind of... Creepy Dan. Creepy Dan that kind of insinuates that, 
you know, Lucy was killed in Vegas, which I think all of us kind of had our suspicions of. And that yeah. Lucy, you know, there was money involved. We've got the Hoyt family being investigated again, which I don't know why they weren't investigated in the 80s. As soon as it was mentioned that, you know, this yeah. chicken chicken farm, something? Was it yeah. chicken farm? Something like, I think it was, yeah, I think it was a chicken farm. I kept calling him the chicken magnet. So I feel like that's probably, yeah, I want to say that's what it was. Yeah. So you've got you've got that place um, that kind of gets mentioned but kind of doesn't. And then obviously we've got a fight between Tom Bassell and Dan the cousin. And then obviously Tom Bassell goes to the Hoyt mansion and you just knew when he walked in that room that he was never getting out. And it was, I think he was, I think his character was so likeable. I mean, I don't know about everyone else, but I really did like mourn him. And like at the end, it was like so many people had to die for the truth, including Tom Purcell. And he didn't even get confirmation that he knew that Julie was, but he didn't get to see her again. He didn't get to like, there was nothing. And it really bothered me. And I think as well, like the stress of being like (laughs) accused of murdering your son and kidnapping your daughter. It's just like, I mean, logically, what so he kidnapped, so he killed his son. And what he, where did he keep his daughter then? Like logically, you know, it just like with most with most because obviously this is kind of like a true crime theme with most yeah. true crime stories you just hear the significant like atrocities of the american police police really don't you yeah and they, it's very highlighted in this and i think it was quite good the way they highlighted it like the covering things up and just like okay this is a clean story let's just get this off our crime stats let's just move on i'm going up for promotion like come on let's just do this and I think in the night, obviously, when they find Tom dead. I cried. I, I cried too. I thought, no, he's not yeah. dead. He'll be fine. He was very dead. <laughs> he was dead than dead. So, um, yeah, it, a lot happens. And then, obviously, you've got them. Dan o, No, not Dan O'Brien. Harris James, obviously, then becomes investigated. Because it's very obvious what's happened. He mm. was on the police force. The Hoyt family have kind of bribed him. And now he's quite successful, and he's what does he call himself? Like security management or something? Yeah, it's like head of wasn't he head of security or yeah, something? Yeah, something quite cringy. Mm. So I mean, at that this point, we know that we don't know for sure that mm. Mary, you know, was kidnapped or anything like that. We just know there's a pink room, and in the interview that his wife Amelia did with the girl from the nunnery, who that. The girl she interviews on the bed, that's the one that grows up to be the nun in the 2015 part. That's what I thought too, because they dwelled on it so little, I wasn't even sure. Well, they dwelled on it, like, yeah, they dwelled on quite a few things a little, that's a bit strange. It's bizarre. Mm. Um, So yeah, we find out that she's spoken about being in the pink room, so obviously we're like, okay, well the Hoyt family's definitely got her, but then you're like, okay, but did the Hoyt family have her for, you know, paedophilia, or was it... um, sex trafficking were they just holding her or did they have her for you know other reasons Mm. so the 90s kind of leave things open and they close the case obviously did they close the case the 90s because they believe tom purcell did it yes yes yeah i think so poor tom poor tom but obviously roland and wayne don't accept this because they're the Mm. good guys and they go out and get harris james which was really now biting it really was. Really was. Yeah, I did. I really didn't think it would take that turn, but then it, when it did take that turn, I was like, yeah, okay, I can see it. It was dark. 
obviously they mm. kill him they bury him and then it's kind of like okay they can't really be friends anymore because of what's happened which is understandable you know Roland's fed up with Wayne Wayne's fed up with Roland they're fed up with not knowing the truth um it felt like a breakup it did feel like a breakup like mm. you know I can't, I can't be with you anymore so let's kill a guy and bury him in the woods kind of thing <laughs> so would you say so obviously at that point we're at the, we're at the point now where Edward Hoyt who's played by Michael Rooker who I always love to see in film when because at first you only hear his voice on the phone I thought I recognize that who is that and it's Michael Rooker and um so yeah he basically asks Wayne to come outside into the car and you're kind of like oh my god is is he gonna die but obviously he doesn't because it's in 2015 but then this is where because we didn't know what happened to Amelia I thought is something gonna happen to his wife yeah. which maybe his daughter never forgave him for, which is why they've got that strained relationship. But obviously that's not what happened. Mm. Um, so obviously he takes him out to the woods, Edward Hoyt, and explains quite... He hints at things in a way, but then he doesn't kind of give anything away, but basically saying, like, did you kill him? Mm. And then it, it, I feel like the scene... For, to, for only to have one scene between them, it was a little bit strange. Like, you think that he would have pulled both Wayne and Roland out there? Yeah. But I don't know. It was weird, yeah. It was a bit odd. So, obviously, I think that after that, that's the last we see of the guys in the 90s, isn't it? And then we're into modern day. Mm-hmm. What was your best part about the 90s section? Oh, best part. I feel like there were a lot. I loved seeing Michael Rooker, and I, I hated that he was only in there for, like, five seconds really um yeah i hated but loved no i loved but hated um tom's death Mm. it was just it it was not a thing harris james that showdown was amazing it was just it was ridiculous but yeah i like the 90s 90s were good it was good i like i think a a big chunk of the story took place in the 90s which i wasn't expecting i thought it would Mm. be mainly 80s but a lot of the action and a lot of the um consequences happened in the 90s which was why i was fully expecting his wife to die as well also i thought that um roland died as well because he you never saw him in 2015 for a long long time and then yeah. when they eventually kind of revealed him, I was like, oh, thank God for that. Because I thought maybe he was killed, like, to be silenced or something like that. But, um, yeah, you see him rock up with his dogs <laughs> and his kind of big beer belly. I mean, again, acting-wise, these two played it so well because you recognise aspects of them when they were in the 80s and they were quite young. And then back in 2015... Yeah, you know, they're, it, it, there's, there's, makeup is great, yeah, but you still have to act, and you still have to act like an old man, and you forget, like, yeah. these, you know, they have no experience of that, they're both young men. Yeah, so. I mean, I always knew Mahershala Ali was going to be great in it, and I admittedly don't, I don't think I've seen a lot of things with Stephen, like, I'm not quite sure what Stephen Dorff has been in outside of The only thing I've seen him in was, um, I, I saw yeah. him in Blade, and I saw him in um, somewhere, the Sofia Coppola film. Ah, okay. I've so I knew, I knew he was kind of like big in the nineties ish. Yeah, he did say no, he surprised me. I thought that he dated her, but I think they were just in a, a music video together or something. Or maybe oh, I'm cool. just making that up. Maybe I'm thinking of I'm thinking of Mark Wahlberg actually. <laughs> I don't know. 
I felt like he really held his own. Like, it, we all know that Mahershala Ali was going to be incredible. He's always incredible. Well, this is the thing. When it first came on, I thought, oh, yeah, this is great. Stephen Dorff. Stephen Dorff's probably just going to be like a side character. But he was so yeah. good. And I think that he, yeah. his career will hopefully kind of take off now. But he was so good. One thing so you good. may remember Stephen Dorff from was the Britney Spears video for Every Time. Oh, my God. That yeah, was Stephen Dorff. That was Stephen Dorff. <laughs> In the flesh, bless him. So versatile. So versatile. So, like, in 2000... So, obviously, then we're into 2015, and at the beginning, we've got... Um, what we first see is, is Wayne Hayes um, doing a true crime documentary, which I found quite funny, because, obviously, they're all deranged <laughs> now. Um, yeah. Sarah Gaddon, who's fantastic, is the documentary filmmaker, and she's kind of pushing him to try and get truth. She's got conspiracy theories, as they all do to kind mm. of do that and obviously you know that he's he's probably agreed to do this out of genuine you know what the hell happened I never kind of figured it out and that's one of the things that I was quite disappointed in because obviously he was threatened by Hoyt um to basically stop searching or I know where your family are but then you don't there's a big gap there between the 90s and 2015 where we don't see the relationship with his daughter we don't see you know the relationship with his son we don't see his wife dying we don't see what the what he does for the rest of his career so it's a big a bit of a gap there and there were a couple of episodes in the middle which i felt like were filler episodes and i feel mm. like they could have had footage from that time frame in them that would have been more interesting and would have linked the story. yeah i mean i know they want to keep us like guessing and they don't want to give too much away and they don't want to be in 2015 so much because obviously we're not going to find out more about the story but mm. i did feel like it was a bit of a gap there which was quite annoying yeah i thought his son I... was great me too he was cute too yeah it's, it's ray fisher isn't it I think it is. Ray so Fisher. he's um, yeah. from. Um, well, I've only I've only seen him from uh, Batman vs Superman and the Justice League, but I thought he was fantastic in this. So good. So yeah, I'm hoping for bigger things. But are, are they doing a cyborg film? I don't even know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But no, I thought. He... Do you know what? Even the way that he played Henry, I kind of thought that Wayne had pissed Henry off at some point too. There were just it just felt like. This Everything was tense, but then there doesn't seem to have been a problem, which, yeah. Well, some don't of the things they that. say, like, some of the things they say about Becca, the other daughter, like, oh, you know, she's not here, and it just, I don't know, there's, there was something missing on the family yeah. dynamic that we never got to see. And even when he'd speak to Henry, there was, like, a, I don't, like, a level of resentment, but obviously a duty to care because it's his father, but, yeah, there was... Definitely, there could have been more material there for the family, considering how mm. much they'd gone through mm. with that. I mean, do you think? Go on. There must have been <laughs> an element of like I don't know, fame or attention, because like their mum was a award-winning author, and yeah, you know, there must be. And they 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 stayed in the same in Arkansas, didn't they? So, mm. is it Arkansas or Arkansas? Arkansas. 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 Sorry. Um, and then obviously, also in two thousand and fifteen, we are met with Roland again who has the dogs and then him and Wayne decide to reopen the case and I love this because it made me laugh because they went out with their little police badges yeah it was <laughs> like, so cute like they were like back in the legit day. <laughs> and um and, yeah their little gums and it just made me laugh and obviously they're re-interviewing people and I think one of the pivotal moments is when they re-interview I've forgotten his name but it's the guy with the one eye Junius Watts. 
Ah. That is a name. I love that name. Genius. Or like Mr. June or Watts. Yeah, that's it. On who you were talking to, uh, yeah. Okay, okay. What made me laugh though? How was this guy still alive? Still alive? <laughs> I was, know. He was old in the 80s. Right. How was he still alive? That's exactly what I thought. But then he looked about the same age as Wayne and Roland, and I just, it was weird. Well, I was trying to work it out because, like, I'm guessing in the 80s they were like late 20s, early yeah. 30s at most. So, like, obviously 2015, that's like what? 35 years later. So they'd be, they'd be like late 60s, 70s. This guy was like in his 40s in the 80s. Yeah. So he was yeah. like, what? I don't know how he's alive. It was crazy. It was crazy. But, yeah, so basically that, that conversation is a big part of the story for us because we find out that, yes, Lucy was paid money for her daughter, well, her children, because she wanted them to hang out with... Isabel. Isabel Hoyt. Sorry, it's just not on my list of characters here. That's really annoying. So, yeah, so Isabel Hoyt, who is the daughter of... Daughter of Michael Rooker or the sister? Daughter. Daughter. So she is married, she has a child, and then she loses them in a terrible accident, and she becomes depressed. And one day when uh, Lucy's children are at the chicken farm, <laughs> or chicken plantation, <laughs> I don't know, chicken place, um, she says, I want to play with that little girl, she looks like my little girl. So a deal is made for them to basically be paid to play with. Mm. Which just kind of shows how desperate Lucy is, really, as a person, mm. that she kind of sells her children in a way, to have money. And what does she do with that money? She goes out and she drinks and that's what it's like. And then obviously the situation becomes that they kidnap the daughter, they kill the son by accident, and the daughter lives with them in the Hoyt mansion until she has enough and leaves. Mm -hmm. And obviously there's a part where we find out that she was fed lithium for a long time, so obviously her memories are quite blurred, and that's why when when we talk about the nun situation, she's probably gone there and told a story that's kind of bizarre. But yeah, so that's probably the biggest conversation it is. And what I found really powerful was obviously Junius begs them to punish him, yeah. and they refuse to. And I found that really powerful because it's like yes. I'm not gonna. It's it's been in another film or another TV show. It's like I'm not gonna punish you. You're gonna punish yourself, kind of thing. Maybe it's the Sopranos, I can't remember. But yeah, so that's the big, big kind of point for us. And we also find out that the, the sedan that's been waiting outside Wayne's house is Junius. So it kind so of. So has he had the same car since the 80s? Because wasn't it a sedan back in the 80s too? So he's not aged and he's had the same car. <laughs> he's is, he is Martin McFly. This is what I mean. There's like small little elements that you think, come on, guys, you've got the budget and you've got the staff to kind of correct these little things. But the, the age thing just really baffled me because honestly, yeah. he was. We also saw him in the 90s because and he, looked, he comes to Amelia's book reading and he's and asking, like, do you know where she is? Do you know where she is? And obviously, now we know it's because he was actually trying to find her to make sure she was safe and okay. And um, again, he didn't age then either. <laughs> It's, um, yeah, it's oh, genius, man. So bizarre. So bizarre. And then obviously we have his daughter, and then obviously the revelation is that she escaped. She went to the nunnery. She was at the nunnery for three years, and then she died. And then the case is closed. But of course, he has. Uh, so Wayne has this. What would you call it? This thing with his wife. Would you call it a 
supernatural thing or do you think it's just his imagination or is he talking to himself it's a weird one isn't it he has these like throughout the throughout the they're almost like hallucinations but she seems to tell him exactly what he needs to hear in that moment so yeah i think it's maybe delusion maybe it's his memories maybe you know Mm. him thinking about things she said in the past but amelia amelia's ghost what do you want to call it yeah (laughs) amelia's presence basically tells wayne that she did go to the nunnery but she didn't die and she met up miraculously with the little boy who she knew in school who fell in love with her in school who fell in love with her again and they've got married had a daughter and the nuns had hidden the whole thing because out of safety classic catholics hiding things (laughs) (laughs) um i can say that it's okay (laughs) <laughs> and then so obviously Wayne gets in his car and travels to basically find out if it is the truth, if Lucy actually is, sorry not Lucy, I keep saying Lucy Mary actually is the person that he thinks she is and when he gets there, he can't remember hmm. now a lot of people when they first watched the show thought that he was putting the Alzheimer's on did you read any of this? yeah, a lot of people were like, oh maybe he just pretended to forget for her safety or for wanting to leave it behind, no yeah, he a lot of people forgot. thought that maybe he was in on kind of protecting... Well, the thought at the beginning was that he knew the Hoyts had taken her mm. and was either paid to be quiet or knew that she was happier than she'd be at Tom's house or something like that. So he was kind of putting this on so that if it ever did come back to bite him, he'd be like, well, I've got, you know, a meal, I don't know what I'm doing. But this moment, I found it so sad because he finally got what he'd spent pretty much most of his life searching for and it was gone yeah it it was was, gone and credit to him for the way that he switched up between sort of being so resolute that he knew he was about to see Julie and then just completely forgetting yeah like his acting in that moment was ridiculous it was and then obviously we've got the son Henry turns up with Becca the daughter and obviously we're all expecting some kind of monologue or heartfelt (laughs) conversation to explain you know what the reason is and we get nothing all we get is no will you stay a bit longer maybe that's it yeah and it, they played it up to be two people who just weren't very good at keeping in touch but the whole <laughs> season it was like no like well, yeah it just didn't make any sense they, it didn't equate. they describe her as an estranged daughter don't get it it's bizarre but and then obviously when we're back at the house um roland comes over but then henry the son finds the piece of paper that wayne wrote the address on that he asked him to be picked up from so he knows that he went there with a purpose and he puts it in his back pocket and you're like okay so what's he gonna do is he gonna look it up himself to kind of get right or you know i mean crime wise there's nothing more that can be done is there Mm. i mean i don't know if tom's killer maybe I mean, people do still think that Tom killed his son. So that's quite that sad. That makes me sad. That makes me sad. Mm. Um, but yeah, and then that was it. And then we faded into black. It was a good show. It was a great show. <laughs> it was fantastic. I think it was really interesting. You know when they there was that bit right towards the end when they fade into black before that? Um, they like zoom into his eye and you think for a second he's remembered it, but he's remembering... Was it how he... And Amelia, like, started their well, this relationship. Is, well, this is, I got disappointed because, obviously, the, before that moment where they zoom into his eye near the very end, at that point, him and Amelia had broken up. So you were kind of like, okay, well, how did you go back together and have children? So I thought yeah. that scene was going to be her telling him that she was pregnant and that's how they just stayed together out of, like, you know, 
the best interest for the child and maybe that's why their mm. marriage wasn't very happy because they weren't together out of love they were together out mm. of duty mm. but they didn't do that it kind of felt like they focused on a quite pointless conversation in a way like she was that the conversation where she says to him i've never ever let a man speak to me like that before two women but never a man yeah that was one. yeah it felt for a ending scene of a very mm. good tv show it felt quite poor I mean, I thought yeah. it was going to be him remembering obviously, or that scene of her saying she was pregnant or her death. Yeah. So, yeah. I wonder whether... Because the scene after that was we see him... Was it in... It was Vietnam, wasn't it? Where, where he was, like, walking through the... Forest uh, or something. Bat- yeah. I, I wonder whether it was sort of, like, a hint at his... His regression? Because, you know, he's forgetting everything. So maybe it's kind of... It's... it's it's just showing us maybe there was something like like he might never remember that he was about to find Julie because he's so sort of at this point in his yeah like I don't know I didn't I didn't quite get it but no I agree I I did I don't know if I like that conversation I don't like that it was sort of the ending conversation yeah I got with with the ending scene of him going through the kind of jungle I kind Mm. of thought like maybe it was like signifying or symbolising him like going into the unknown now because his yeah. memory is going to be well and truly scrambled at that point. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, like we've both said, like the, I think it's disappointing on the the relationship of his daughter, the relationship of his wife. Um, but in general, I thought it was really well put together. Oh, for sure. And I like yeah. I love the elements of it. I love that each um, each time frame had a different villain, and I love the true crime documentary part of it which I thought was really good mm. and um, I made me laugh because um, when we'd be watching it and he'd get up and walk away and be like oh my god they're going to have to edit that out they're going to have to reframe <laughs> it he keeps looking up and asking questions they're going to have to edit that out like just making a documentary myself I know how stressful it is but um, yeah. but no I loved it I mean me too we've kind of discussed I like that go on like season four what would you want from a season four um, two female detectives would be great. Or um, a female director would be great. <laughs> I don't. I mean, not asking for too much. <laughs> just, just a little bit. <laughs> yeah, of I mean, do you know what? I feel like what True Detective does, it does really well. So I don't know. Apart from those two things that I would really like, I don't know whether I'd want to switch up the formula too much. Um, the, what, I like the time that season three. In. Yeah, I yeah. quite like it. I like that season three kind of um, references season one and that it will happen in the same timeline. I thought that was really cool. I thought that um, was really good. And I kind of thought, like, wouldn't it be great if there was a crossover point at one point? But then I thought, that's asking for too much. <laughs> <laughs> be happy with what you've got. <laughs> but yeah, no, I know. I'd like more of the same, but with more focus on sort of making female char- char- characters a lot better. Um, what about you? What do you think? Well, Pizzolato is working on a concept for season four. Mm. Um, I mean, this is the thing. The, the same guy. I don't think people realise that. This, uh, obviously, uh, Carrie Fukunaga left season one as the director. But the writers, they stayed the same. It was still yeah. Pizzolato throughout season two and season three. So I, I hope they stick with this, you know, southern style of mm. of it i hope there's more diversity mm. i you know i hope there's 
I don't know, storyline-wise, I mean, it's been mainly about abduction of children, hasn't it? Yeah. So where could they go? I don't know. Mm. I would love Carrie Fukunaga back. I would too. Well, like I said, Jeremy Sauner, who directed the first two episodes of season three, he was fantastic. Like, more, like... For me, I do regard True Detective as like a horror kind of show in a way. Like yeah. some scenes are very graphic and violent. Mm. It's quite an uncomfortable show. Mm. Um, so yeah, focusing on that would be really great. Um, I don't know. Yeah, like you, I just I just like some more female characters. I know it's like people are like, oh god, you've got your female shows. I'm like yeah, okay, but like Marvelous Mrs. Maisel is very fucking different to True Detective. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I hope they don't rush it. I mean, True Detective came out in 2014. It's taken five years to make another show that is yeah. similar to it. So don't rush it again, I'd say. Hmm, I agree. I think season two oh. was rushed. That's why it failed. Oh my God, I hated it. <laughs> like, but yeah. Oh. And that is it, really. We've covered the ground of True Detective Season 3, so you'll have to let us know what you think. Did you love yeah, it? Did you, you hate think? it? What do you want to see from True Detective Season 4? Who, in particular? You know? Do you have a fantasy cast? Jessica Chastain. Oh, yeah. Just, just everything. Cool. Jessica Chastain. Do you know what made me laugh? Because they released a Dark Phoenix poster. I don't know if you've seen it. The new X-Men. Oh, yes, yes. And I looked at it and I was like, oh, my God. The audacity. They have Jessica Chastain in this film. And she's <laughs> not even on the poster. And then I looked closely and realised that she actually is the whole of the bottom third of the poster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just not paying attention. I was just ready to just vent and go mental. Because I'm still bad that Xavier Dolan just cut her out of his film. Yeah. The, just the audacity yes I'd cut everyone else out and just have her <laughs> right that is it that is it for this week thank you so much for joining me again thanks guys no that was fun thanks for having me back no problem next week we've got we're going to do a few episodes actually because I'm on holiday in March so we're going to bulk it up so we've got Naya's back again I'm back Sophie Duncan, who was previously on the show, is going to be back again. She's going to be talking about LGBTQ characters in films and me at sleepovers. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, and that's it. So I'll see you next week. Bye. Bye-bye.